welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Club. This week, we are bringing you a very special episode that we have dubbed Superpod <laughs> because we have not one but five interviews with five amazing people that we met and chatted to at the Finders Keepers Creative Business Summit last week. So these are five short chats and it was heartbreaking to have to cut them short because every one of them easily could have been its own full episode. But we had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Matt and Lentil from Grown and Gathered and Minimum Wines, Becca Stern from Mustard Made, artist Pete Cromer, artist and maker Shu Lee, and Esther Sandler from Togetherness Design. So please enjoy this very special episode and we will see you next week. So first up for today, we're interviewing Matt and Lentil and Una. Um, if you could just chat, if you could please introduce yourselves um, and talk a bit about what, what it is that you do. Uh, well, we are Matt and Lentil and little Una. Uh, we initially had a project called Grown and Gathered, which is still sitting there for us uh, and re-emerging this year a little bit more. Uh, and now we also make Minimum Wines, which is very purpose-led uh, wine company. Uh, Lentil's also mm -hmm. doing mindset coaching um, now, and I also make wine over in Italy for a project called Umpov that we have going over there. So we're based in Berlin now and, uh, and move between Berlin and Australia for the harvest and Italy for the harvest, and we move around. <laughs> yeah. How ex I mean, to me that sounds super exciting. I imagine there are parts of it that are and parts of it that are just <laughs> like the constant change and uncertainty might get a bit exhausting. But yeah. adding a nine months to the to the <laughs> migrations yeah. is uh, is interesting. Was, yes. Was this Una's first international flight? Yeah. yeah. And how did it go? It was her first flight, full stop. So <laughs> and we really threw her into. <laughs> it was like a Berlin house party for 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> we just told her it was a party and she had so much fun. <laughs> um, so to the, to the idea of movement and the fact that your work is so seasonal and, and relates to land and the earth, um, could you talk a bit about what it means to have a, a profession and careers, plural, that, that relate to land? Um... Yes, it's a great question. <laughs> you want that? Here? That's okay. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, sorry, Una. That's all right. Another moment. She's like such a big question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like, this is too hard to get this early. Maybe she felt my anxiety in that. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she was like confused by it. Like maybe for a baby, she's like, "How could you, as an animal, possibly question our relation to that?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. She's all over it. It's a very good question, though. And for us, well, with growing and gathered, we were so tied to the land. It was almost like in a very modern world where we have ambitions and, and different things and different ideas of movement. Also, having the farm was intense. It was an intense thing that we had to um, be really tied to always. And so now having these businesses that speak to land and speak to our relationship to land and, um, and allow us to give back to land a lot, but in a less rooted way, has been mm. super nice as well. And feels a little bit like a, a going back even further, like being able to uh, to move around is something that humans have always done. Mm. So it's nice to feel less tied to a specific area and more in this zone of moving between 
ground in a way for us. We don't, we don't just travel. Um, yeah. we, we have very specific places that we go to and, uh, and we have little communities in all of those places. And I think to all those communities, we're a little bit strange <laughs> because we do move so freely, but we're also very grounded in each of those places. So it's, uh, it's, it's not, it feels very natural for us. Uh, it's just a lot harder now with, with baby, although she actually doesn't seem to care too much. <laughs> <laughs> Has that always been a thing for you both? Like, even before this chapter, have you, as people, like, kind of camped or travelled or, or has movement been part of your lives and, and practices? Yeah, I think so. I think for both of us. We met here, Lentils from Cairns and then Brisbane, and we, we met here in Melbourne, so um, she'd been moving around. I've done... And she'd also done a lot of travelling. I've done a lot of travelling around the world, a lot of very down-home travelling <laughs> overland across a lot of, a lot of countries, so... Uh, yeah, it's always definitely been a thing for us. Mm. Yeah. And so you, you touched on it a little bit, saying that you've sort of got these little communities in the different places that you live. What's the sort of role of community been and, and how have you gone about finding that in places that maybe you're a bit more transient in rather than being um, sort of entrenched in like you might be if you spent your whole life living in the one city? Yeah, I just, I'm just to clarify, I'm answering lots of these questions because Lentil's standing up with Una now. <laughs> no, there, there will be videos, so those who will be watching will understand. Yeah. <laughs> I got this. Um, I think for us, well, it was interesting actually when we moved over to uh, to Italy initially to Sardinia. Uh, we moved into a very, very small, pretty traditional village, and everyone was like, "Who are you? This is amazing. You're staying, right?" And like, just because they were shocked that we'd actually, they have a lot of tourists come through. Um, but we're like, no, we're buying a house, we're staying here, this is what's happening. And actually the pandemic really threw that plan out okay. quite a lot because we came back for the harvest, which was meant to be for two months, and then we got stuck here for most of the year in 2020. And when we went back, it, it had kind of eroded this sense of trust that we'd built with that community because they just thought maybe you're just like everyone else. Uh -huh. And so that was one of the sort of driving forces why we went over to Berlin to take a break from that energy mm. initially which has healed now, and I think post-pandemic, everything's eased a little bit, but um, it really showed out that where you were for something so epic as that, it does have an effect on, you go through these experiences together as community. Yeah. And so for us, we have to be quite conscious, I think, of when we move between our spaces, of making sure we're also maintaining connections and um, you know, keeping a bit of integrity about those yeah. communities that we do move through, so that it's not just we move away and forget, and then we're in the other place and we forget. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's a kind of, it adds a lot. It's, yeah. It is kind of maintaining th these three spaces for us, you know, um, but we love it because it means we have this expansive group of humans yeah. that, that love us and, and we love, so yeah, it works. It's such a interesting, I mean, it, it's going to sound ridiculous. I've never thought of it in terms like that. And I think maybe it's also speaking to you and because you've got the farming, um, side of it like you, you kind of that feels obvious in terms of if it was land and if you were cultivating land and a crop it's like you don't just like do the work and fuck off yeah you yeah. tend to it and it's yeah. the that you do physical mm. labor and with humans you do the emotional work of, of tending to those yeah. relationships and you, yeah you you don't just get to like walk out and come back and it's expect great. things that's <laughs> <laughs> yours <laughs> Queen of the metaphor over here. <laughs> it's, so, it's, so, it's exactly right. It's exactly how it works. And I think yeah. we weren't quite as aware. It's been five years now that we've been doing this sort wow. of movement around because it was five years before that just in one place, in one mm. community. And I wouldn't say that that one place that we stayed in for five years made it a stronger community. 
Um, so we can maintain the strength and possibly even more so with a bit of space sometimes. A bit of space can be good <laughs> in relationships. Yeah. And, uh, and so as long as we're up, upholding all the, those connections, yeah, it's, it all seems to work. There's quite a bit to, like, of extra stuff and obviously well <laughs> worth it, but when I think of like sometimes it takes me two weeks to reply back to like my best friend who's sending <laughs> a very straightforward <laughs> message. <laughs> so the idea of doing all of that, yeah, I imagine the... the the effort is equal to the reward. Yeah. But, um, yeah, easy. I um, You guys gave a talk at Creative Mornings many years ago, maybe yeah. 2016, I think, yeah. and I was graphic recording there at the time. So I went back oh. through my archives this morning to find the illustration that I'd drawn for your... It was, was wonderful. You. It was you. <laughs> I have a copy of it here somewhere oh my I put in my bag, so I'll show you. You're amazing. <laughs> now I look back at it because <laughs> What are you like, doing this for? <laughs> thing though it was like it was like seven years ago so now I look at it I'm like oh god cringe oh, yeah. no it's well, beautiful we now, love it so. <laughs> oh good well, I'm sure we have that saved somewhere on <laughs> well I, I didn't bring it up just to get compliments but thank <laughs> although, you <laughs> although I do love it but there are a few things um that's that stood out for me that I thought were really beautiful and really in line with what we like to talk about a lot on the podcast but also <laughs> with the sort of ideas behind their creative business summit so a few of the little like takeaways that I'd written down from you guys was one saying just try it even once don't be afraid to fuck up and talk to strangers which I think are, are excellent pieces of advice I'm interested to know now what you know sort of seven years along those sort of points are still things that you live by and that are still sort of serving you in your business? I think so. I think that's why we ended up in Berlin, let yeah. alone Italy, let alone <laughs> moving off the farm to an Australian village before that. There's been... I don't think we've been able to make any of these choices without having that, I guess, trust in the in our hearts in, in these sort mm. of inclinations or intuitions that we were having at different points. Um, it does feel like... I mean, talking to strangers is, I mean, you don't move to new places and try and set up new communities unless you're open to, to meeting new people and um, to engaging with others and to acknowledging that, you know, you're not an island in, in the world. And that's very much a big philosophy of ours, the way we operate in business as well. I think post-pandemic, it's even more relevant than ever, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I have creative friends who are brilliant um, and we go out and they say to me, I don't know how to talk to somebody, you know, just randomly without an app or without mm. a, maybe an email because for so long um, so many people haven't been talking to, to strangers. Mm. So I think maybe it's even more relevant now. Yeah. And we do feel this year, 2023 is going to be an opening, I think, away yeah. from that feeling of, Things have been very closed for yeah. years now. And yeah. in, let's say the last two, three years have been this very much a sense of keeping distance mm. and not just in the physical, this is what distance you're meant to keep, but very much people's minds have turned inward because of that, I think. Mm. And it's been interesting to watch that physicality manifest in the way people think. And yeah. so I think this year is going to be a big opening, a big sense of let's do stuff, let's do stuff together yeah. and let's stop being so individual again. Um, but we probably couldn't have had that talk or this talk. Yeah. A year ago, even yeah. you know, because it just would feel stupid to say. Well, Whereas... even even ideas of distance and the fact that 
you move so much like mm-hmm. that that your life is this constant sort of flux between like physical distance and emotional distance and I think it would like you'd really notice the difference in terms of that you do move around a lot but can cultivate closeness mm. even like across massive physical distances yeah. um but I'm I'm so curious I'm, I'm very selfish I have so many <laughs> questions that, um so this is a bit of a, a left turn but um Lentil, you've got your, um, Mm -hmm. this, I I don't want to call it a side project because that implies that it's not the main thing, but, uh, (laughs) or how would you describe it? But it's, it's a, you said mindset coaching. Yeah. So, um, well, I call it integrative practitioner. Um, and if I was in Germany, I would say I'm a therapist. And if I'm in Australia, I say I'm a mindset coach. So this is the challenge of working across <laughs> countries. Um, so yes, I'm doing coaching, so mindset coaching, and also um, a type of practice called internal family systems. Oh, it's which, um, so good! Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, hilariously, Alice and I see the same psychologist, oh, okay. so now we get to refer to her great. as our psychologist, <laughs> and she's very big on internal okay, family. Okay. That's amazing uh, that you know of this practice. Yeah, so I integrate all of that into coaching, basically. Amazing. How how have you found, because that might seem from the outside like quite a different field to be playing in from what has gotten you both Mm -hmm. to where you are. Yeah. How does it work for you balancing these, these different parts of yourself and how did you find, like, when did you know it was time to expand somewhere new? Um, yeah, firstly, I like your use of parts in there. <laughs> very, very well done. <laughs> um, and to answer your question, uh, I don't think that, well, for me, they're not separate. Um, and that has been and is currently one of the biggest challenges I'm having is um, helping others to understand actually how I feel business and creativity is absolutely related with, say, mindset coaching and integrative practice. I don't know if we can really stand in the world authentically in a business or in a creative sense if we haven't yet found that in ourselves. So, yeah, that's how I see them as connected. Yeah. I love that. Um, I'm really interested with your coaching or or therapizing, (laughs) depending on where we are. What's the difference that you see between the different locations that you work in Mm. is like in terms of the problems that people are coming to you with or your approach to how you deal with people? Does that change quite a bit culturally depending on where you are? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, It does. (laughs) Uh, Every, of course, um, you know, where we're from has has an impact culturally and socially. Uh, So that's definitely something that, you know, is um, of note for the practice. Um, And it does change. What's important to people um, Mm. is often the thing I notice the most. That's, Mm. you know, what's driving them, what's driving them to to come and arrive with me in the first place and partner is mm. is probably the main difference. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. So, so linking to the idea of sort of different values and knowing your values for yourself and also so that you can 
work and live effectively and healthily and happily mm -hmm. with other people. Um, I was wondering, and this might be too personal, so obviously only answer to the extent no. that you're comfortable, but I think um, more and more people are drawn to the idea of, um, of a lifestyle of movement to varying degrees. Um, and could you speak to how that works in a partnership and now as a family? Because mm. I would imagine that there's like, there's the Instagram version of that, which is like, we're all in a van and then we go surfing <laughs> and then we do like two hours of emails and then that's it. Like, yeah. And then there's the actual reality of like relationship, like life is yeah. tough enough in one place with an anchor, but like how, how does movement factor into your relationship? How do you think about it? How would you, what would you offer other people looking to do something similar? I'm like, that's why, that's what mindset coaching is. <laughs> <laughs> so um, contact Lentil. Yeah. <laughs> but from my side, I can answer that. Um, it really, I do really use a lot of those tools to, mm. to function. I probably bring a lot of the kind of organization and breaking things down and um yeah making sure that everyone's needs are being met and um, that's probably my part or at least everyone's needs but your own <laughs> at times yeah <laughs> <laughs> what's the saying i said the painter's house is always the house that's unpainted yeah yeah, yeah. 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 but that's yeah right. no i think that's i mean all, being organized is critical but we're mm. very uh, open communicators and that's just that's been I guess that I mean we've been through a lot of very hard times in the last 10 years now but um, because we've communicated through those it's we've all we're still here and yeah. um, thriving and um, travel just is that or movement between places is mm. that and we're constantly reassessing things I'll talk a, a little bit about this at the summit later it's just the tools that we use for our business are really the tools that we use for our life. And mm. it's not just being organised, but it's about actually assessing and we effectively write our own little life manifesto over and over and over again. And it's happening less and less. When we were first together, we'd do it almost more than once a year because I things were just like really this. rapidly developing. But then yeah. now things are settling down and, and we just have very clear ways that we want to live and we're not going to get fucked around by someone else's ideas of what we should or shouldn't do and even more so with Una now we just want her we feel we feel like she joined us like she yeah. was like hey I like that let's be a part of that <laughs> and so we're going to make sure we don't change our life because yeah. she's come along because that'd be really disappointing if you were like I want to join that yeah. and then they change everything just for you and you're like hang on I was trying to join you yeah so for us it's about keeping the kind of integrity of how we live our life ongoingly and it's just a matter of listening to everyone's needs like we get exhausted yeah. and we need to stop sometimes and we take too much on and we both do that so we need to check each other and um yeah we just it's a, a lot of support and i think overall it's really a, having a willingness to grow mm. to grow as a human and to be vulnerable in that we are all always growing and always changing and with that of course comes other things like loss you know so it's it's not a simple yeah thing growth but I think the willingness to do it is overall the yeah the way yeah and to keep you know to make sure that you're growing in the same direction yeah, <laughs> yeah. together as it as well you know not even growing in the same direction just not growing so far apart that you can't bridge that so yeah. it's, it's sort of yes sure because yeah, allowing yeah, each point. other to grow and we've changed so much both of us in the last 10 years mm -hmm. through the different experiences we've put each other through 
um, <laughs> and we've gone through together. Yeah. And and obviously having a child's one thing, but moving is one thing. And there's been illness, there's been there's been stress, there's been all kinds of things. Yeah. And it changes you, and then you move cities, and you change, and you're allowed to express yourself differently in Berlin than you can in Melbourne, yeah. and that you can in in Italy. And so we are trying to allow each other to be new amongst yeah. all of that and we still love and like each other both and so we, we stay together. Maybe that's done. also checking in. <laughs> Do I it, still you know? like you? Maybe that's the key question that you can ask yourselves in a partnership all the time. And to be able to say, I don't really like that part that's developing. Let's, uh, let's work on that together. Yeah. I, l- I love that. Very diplomatic. <laughs> How you said allowing each other to be new. I think that's... Yeah. That, that is gorgeous. Yeah, I'm going to hold on to that little fragment of words. It's very beautiful and I think it's such a, a powerful um, practice to, yeah. to commit to. Mm-hmm. Um, I could keep talking to both of you for hours and I'm, I'm bummed that I we know. have to stop, but we've stolen you away from your sound check, which we should probably go and let you do at some point. But um, Matt and Lentil and Una, thank you so much for joining thank us today you. and we'll, um, we'll see you around the rest of the day thank as well you. and yeah. enjoy being at the summit and we'll thank chat you. to you soon. Thank, thank you both so much. Thanks, guys. Bye, Una. Right, well, welcome Becca Stern from Mustard Made. We're so happy to be hanging out with you today at the Creative Business Summit. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Um, I am Becca. I'm the co-founder and creative director of Mustard, where we sell colourful lockers for homework and play. Love it. And they are absolutely yeah. gorgeous. And it's exactly the type of thing that makes me very, very excited. Like, what could I, I don't feel like I need it, but maybe I do need it. <laughs> <laughs> I will warn you that from our experience, lockers are very addictive. Once you get one, you're like, wow, you can fit so much stuff in here. And it, you know, it looks so, so nice from the outside. Mm-hmm. So satisfying. Then, yeah, often people come back for more. Yeah, um, I had um I had a heightened version of this experience because obviously um in preparing for this talk we're looking at your work and the designs, and um this kind of valuing the idea of craft and and beautiful mm. objects that are also functional, and then on the sort of converse of that side I needed to go just pick up some bits from IKEA this weekend yeah. and I think just like it really brought home the kind of like other extreme of just objects that that feel completely soulless Mm. so um yeah could you talk about how how you found your way into making these objects and kind of and and what that has meant to you it's funny my sister and I um so my sister's my co-founder she lives in London and we actually grew up going to Ikea for fun that's what we did at the weekend we would go there and spend no joke eight hours just walking around and like pretend buying stuff that was our idea of fun um so yeah I definitely have like a big connection with with that idea of flat pack and creating things for yourself and an accessibility of good design so I think that yeah that's kind of some of the stuff that I suppose I've taken from my early childhood experiences of wandering around Ikea and getting lost um yeah I I think that um the, the journey that we have been on really started with a want for something that was practical for my own home. So I have an old home, I have um, kids and I had no storage, nothing, not a single cupboard was built in to the, to the home that I live in. So that was kind of really where it began was just this really practical need. 
And then I sort of mixed that in with this strange and peculiar love that I had for rusty old lockers that I had found on the side of the road. Um, funnily enough, I actually saw one on the same street last week and took a photo and was like, oh, that's like cool. a full circle. Like, yeah, it was like exactly where where I began <laughs> was this particular locker in this this street right near my current office and just how it all kind of came back to that moment of seeing this abandoned, rusty, kind of beautiful but totally now impractical object yeah. because it didn't lock, it was kind of you know, kind of wonky and it had no shelves inside, so it was basically just a big hole when you open the door, which isn't very helpful when you have loads of, like, small things, you know, toys and clothes and things you need to hide. So, yeah, kind of really, really um, that was where the idea for lockers came from. And did, did you take that locker and restore, or that's just what sparked the idea that this was a thing you wanted to do? You betcha. Yep, I <laughs> figured out how to get that locker home, and I still have it in my house now. Oh, amazing. Yep. And it's... Um, like green on one side and pink on the other, which became our first, two of our first kind of colours that we launched with was inspired by this particular locker. And I put some little plywood shelves inside. Still doesn't lock or the door doesn't shut properly, but I, I just love it. Yeah. I genuinely have this kind of affection for, for the stories that it has to tell and the layers of pain and the, the way that metal kind of ages gracefully. Mm. You know, it's not like cheap wooden stuff or yeah. like you know the the hollow furniture where it's like a veneer on the outside but if if it gets scratched there's nothing you can do about it it's you know you can't repair it whereas something like metal these like dings and scratches become part of the character and it feels more honest because you're looking the material is not pretending that it's something else like with the veneers I feel like just inherently on like an existential level it yeah. makes me feel weird because I'm like it's pretending it's something that's not wood pretending to be wood or it's something that's not uh, like another metal pretending to be metal I'm like it's just yep. lies and not some I don't know I'm like some <laughs> deep level I'm like my brain feels weird about this like what the fuck is anything I completely relate to that yeah I I very much like my design as a sort of core principle of design I think a you should let a thing be what it is, yeah. you know. It's Let it tell its truth. If yeah. it's metal, let it look like yeah. metal and feel like metal and sound like metal. Mm. And, yeah, so I, th I think that's kind of why I was drawn to metal furniture and, um, yeah, and lo and behold, here I am. <laughs> I, I also used to have a business making jewellery and also working with vintage cutlery. So coincidentally did these two kind of weird unrelated things at the same time that were both made of metal. Yeah. And, I, you know, I look back now and I can see the connection, but I didn't yeah. always know that at the time. Yeah, it's funny how you can see, though, like the journey in hindsight yep. looks quite clear and make, like it makes a lot of sense. But at the time you're like, I don't know, I'm just following rabbits down holes and seeing <laughs> totally. like rabbits. Um, I, I'm interested in, in how you work together with your sister because... I read that um, that one of your main drivers wanting to start something together is to be able to spend time together, which I mm. um, I love and I understand. Um, that's why we started a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, a few sort of bits that I'm I'm interested in, like one, just the the dynamic of working with a family member and mm. and what that feels like, and how you manage the business side and the personal side as well as how you collaborate cross-country, her being in the UK and you in Australia and how that works at a practical level. Yeah, so so it was very much something that we talked about for years. We actually, our original idea that we 
wanted to do for a long time was to start a bra company for people with big cups and small backs. That was going to be our niche. Now there's a few more options out there, thankfully, but it was, yeah, we kind of like, we always talked about this for years and we never really it's like went a anywhere. different kind of storage solution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pretty, yeah. yeah. Totally. And and maybe that's a, that's that's a theme. A thread, stuff yeah. that's, you know, it has, has value and meaning, but it's also functional. Yeah. So maybe, who knows, next chapter in my life. <laughs> but yeah, so, so we talked about this for many years and I, I've now lived in Australia for 11 years and at the time that was, yeah, about halfway through that. Um, and... Before that, Jess and I kind of, we grew up together, but then in our teenage years, we lived apart. She lived with my dad and I lived with my mum. And then I kind of went off to uni and travelled and moved to Australia. So that was pretty much, you know, our whole kind of growing up in adult life. We weren't actually living together, but we were very much each other's person. Mm. And, you know, when we really needed each other, we were always there for each other. And we, I guess we kind of had this understanding that life would go on and we might know not spend as much time together and flying home to England might become less of a priority so when I had my my second son Ellis she came over to Australia and we were like no we should really do this like if we want to stay close and we want to spend time with each other we should start a business like that's a great idea who you know what could possibly go wrong (laughs) um so yeah I think that it was really that emotional connection that we had to each other that was the reason that we wanted to start it and I would say that's the reason why it works because we really have each other's best interests at heart and I think that's different from you know somebody that you've kind of met at work like we we started this together Mm. we grew it together and we have the same kind of drive and belief in the business as each other and and that's kind of I guess the thing that we really have in common and then I would say we have a lot that is different so I am more I do the creative and marketing side and she's a lot more practical. She's really great with people. She can make anyone do anything and they'll love her (laughs) at the end of it. May I go into business with her, please? (laughs) She just has this way of, yeah, of really building connections with people, which is beautiful. And, yeah, I think we just have really different strengths and skills. And then being really close emotionally but very far apart physically it's good when you're sisters. <laughs> you know, it's easy. Like if we're annoyed at yeah. each other, there's a lot of distance. Yeah. There's a lot of space. There's a lot of cooling off periods if if it's needed. Um, so I think, yeah, that that kind of helps on a practical <laughs> level. And then, yeah, just a lot of mornings and nighttime calls. And, and for us over the last kind of year or so, so she, um, since she became a mum, she was always the one that was very flexible for me because I was the mum. And now she's a mum too and the hours has become a lot more tricky. So whereas we would kind of just wake up and call each other for like an hour chat when it suited one of us, now it's like trying to find those windows of time across the time zones where one of us is in their pyjamas because it's morning and one's in their pyjamas because it's nighttime. So it doesn't really work for either of us and got to get the kids to sleep or get the kids to school or, you know. So so I think that's definitely become more challenging. So we're just working on on a bit more of a structure for that to make sure that it's actually something that's sustainable for us and our families and yeah, yeah. bit of bit of the old work life balance yeah <laughs> and was that i imagine during like the covid years that potentially could have maybe worked in your favor yeah. somewhat <laughs> working in that way but did that how did that impact you like either how you work or your business mm. or was it a big kind of thing in your I mean, it, it was a big thing in all our fucking lives. <laughs> <laughs> Did I blow 
pandemic have any effect on you whatsoever? <laughs> I mean, on a personal level, we, I live in Newcastle in Australia, so things were a lot less extreme, I would say, okay. than other places. Yeah. And I definitely saw, you know, what she was going through in London and the intensity of those lockdowns and the, yeah. the loneliness and the mm. challenges. And I think she's really, you know, she said to me this year that January was the first time in years she's felt like herself. And yeah, I think that wow. kind of the, the long-term mm. impact of that is very much, yeah, we're not over it. We're still mm. we're still working through that stuff. So totally. I think that's important to, to, to acknowledge. But not being able to see each other, like I think that the year 2020 we had five trips booked together. The first one oh. she was actually in Australia to start the year um, when it was all kicking off. Then we were going to go fly from here to China and that was the week everything closed. And we were like, what's the worst that could happen? We might catch a cold. Like, yeah. is that all it is? <laughs> and, you know, we could have been stuck there for three years. Who knows? So thankfully we didn't go there. And then we had a family trip to Italy for my dad's, like, 60th birthday. And then we had a work trip to America planned. So it was kind of the three. Oh, I'm so the, sorry. And, and, and going to England as well. <laughs> So, yeah, it was like we had these five opportunities to hang out together. We're like, this is what we've dreamed of, you know, being able to spend time together. And then one by one we, like, crossed each one off the list as, you know, Italy yes. went down, yeah. America went down, China obviously came first. So You're like, I guess we'll do another trivia night on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I did, did do some, like, family fun games oh. um, instead. And, yeah, that was, that was really tough, like, not yeah. being able to see each other. And I think from a work point of view... Our manufacturer is in China, so there was a lot of periods where they were closed and freight was very difficult and I think just the stress of the unknown all the time. And it, it mm. just really got to the point where I was like, we just got to laugh. What else can we do? Like literally everything has gone wrong that could have gone wrong. So let's just start to expect that and, and not be surprised when surprises happen. We're just going to build that in. We're going to put massive buffers. We're going to yeah. set our expectations really low. We're going to, you know, we used to do pre-orders on products. We totally stopped doing that because it just didn't feel right for our customers to, you know, if we couldn't guarantee when it was going to arrive, yeah. we didn't want to take their money and let them be funding our business choices. Mm -hmm. So that was a big sort of change that we made. And, yeah, I think just getting more comfortable with the unknown, which... For me personally, I'm quite cool with that. Like that's my way of being. Mm -hmm. But I think when you're running a business and you have a team, that there has to be a balance because you have to plan and think ahead and things don't happen if you don't make them happen. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely been a challenge. And I think I think we've come out of it really proud that we have I'd I mean, thrived maybe, you know, we've survived, but we've come out of it a better, bigger, stronger and more confident business. And we've definitely watched a lot of businesses, particularly in the last year, that haven't made it. And yeah, yeah certainly tough times are still ahead. So yeah, gathering, gathering the energy for that. <laughs> yeah. How do you, um, so, so sort of expanding on the idea of mindset and, and being in business with someone you love and creating this business with someone you love mm. as a way that you get to do a creative that you get to make creative things in the world and also spend time together. How do you manage the the tensions or maybe maybe tension is the wrong word to use? How do you manage the different um, those kind of different energies of being a business partner 
and and a sister and in, and like how do you show up as each one do you have designated time you're like this is a business call no no <laughs> sister stuff or is it are they just completely intertwined um well I would add to that another layer of complexity that now both of our husbands work for the business so there's now oh, this wow. kind of yeah so through 2020 um both of them joined the business and I honestly could not imagine mustard without them now. Like it's it's been amazing. But now you've got, yeah, husband and wife relationships. You've got sisters. Yeah. You've got, you know, siblings-in-law. How do you, how do you manage of, those dynamics? There's a, there's a lot of Because that could, that different could be that your superpower, but that is also that's yeah. you need to be so intentional around communication, power dynamics, baggage, other complexities. Like how do you yeah, do that? And I would say it's, you know, it's a work in progress. I don't have any any easy answers to that, except that one of the things that we've been working on, um, so they Jess and, and her husband Mark have just spent five weeks over in Australia. They just went home last week. And one of the really sounds so obvious, but it was really helpful things that we did was to write our own job descriptions. And, you know, really start to re, like, hone in on what it is that we're good at, we enjoy, what our skills are, and what our unique section of the business is that we are going to get to make decisions on and own. Because, you know, when, like, say, if we weren't working together, you'd go home and you'd talk to your partner or you might talk to your sister or your friend about these decisions. And so there's always a lot of like, you know, we want everyone on board and we want to chat things through, but then it can be hard to know like who gets to make that final decision and, you know, execute on it and and really, yeah, take ownership of a particular subject or project or something like that. So I think that was a really... It's a great idea. Again, it sounds sounds obvious, but... And and we give everyone else, you know, that sense of like knowing what their job is, but we didn't really have it ourselves. And it it was pretty obvious when we started writing. Mm. And there's very little crossover. Like we, it's literally like you can divide the business in quarters and we get a quarter each and it works beautifully. We just hadn't ever put pen to paper and and really defined that. So hopefully moving forward that will, yeah, give us that little bit of structure that we need. I think it's always, speaking about creativity, it's like this balance between the structure and the want for freedom is is my personal challenge and... I want to be free, but I also can see that having a bit of structure around things is almost what sets you free. Absolutely. That gives you the the safety to be able to go and play and, you know, the bits that you can add on to around that structure or move it around, but you need yeah. to be tethered to something or you're just like floating into yeah. the ether. Yeah, it's kind of like knowing your, you know, knowing your medium you know, or knowing your material or knowing the canvas yes. size. And then within that you can do whatever the hell yeah. you like. But if you don't know that, where do you even begin? So, mm. yeah, I think that that's a big focus for this year is kind of really building in some processes and structures so that then we can have fun and feel good about it yeah. and not feel scared or unsure. And I think that that clarity is something, particularly in very small businesses or working with family, that can mm. often be over. It's like, oh, we know what we're doing. We don't have to sit down and do this. And you say, oh, it might sound obvious, but I think a lot of the time it isn't actually because we work mm. on assumptions that I know what I'm doing and they know what they're doing. But that's like one of the most dangerous things. I know. And like do. as we're talking about this, I'm like, oh, we're a hundred percent doing this exercise. Like yeah. it's like we're definitely gonna it's yeah, it's a great it's often those simple things. Yeah, mm. just like and and the idea of writing it yourself, I yeah. think is like you're connecting to you're putting in your words what you've signed up for, what you own. Yeah. 
yeah that's and incredible. and then I think it, it's about having the opportunity and taking the opportunity that you've we've literally given ourselves to create the jobs that we want mm, yeah. yes we get to write that job description we get to define it and if you don't do that you can end up doing a lot of things in the business that aren't your strong points you don't enjoy you don't have a passion for and then you feel drained mm. and wonder why so I think as a small business owner like there's a lot of hard things about it and if you don't take the good things which is that you get the freedom yeah. that yeah. you design your own role if you don't take those opportunities then you end up with a lot of the bad stuff and yeah, yeah. that well Beck, we could keep talking to you forever, but I think that's a perfect yeah. place to end our chat today on. Thank you so much for making the time you, to Becca. sit down and chat with us. Um, good luck for the rest of the day and we'll we'll see you around. Thank you so Thank much. You, Becca. That was so much fun. <laughs> so next up we have Pete. Pete, I'm gonna ask you to introduce yourself and talk a bit about your practice and, and what you do. Uh, well, I'm Pete Cromer. Um, I'm an Australian artist. I um, do a lot of collage, um, resin sculptures, and um, yeah, really focus on Australian wildlife because I love it. Yay! Well, it's I was so fucking excited to see your name on the lineup, Pete, because I'm very much a genuine fangirl. I've got a bunch of your work in my home. Unreal. I bought it as gifts for heaps of people. <laughs> Thank you. I. Love it. So She's been like, playing oh it so God. cool the whole <laughs> point until now. Well, lovely to meet you both. So, and then thank you so mm. much. That's well, that's awesome. It's it's such a pleasure. I'm I'm really interested to know a little bit about you know sort of how you got started and about the subject matter and because you focus a lot on yeah Australian wildlife and Australian yes. birds. And has that been something that you've always loved? Was that always your subject matter? Yeah, like um, birds in particular, like essentially like um, colour, I'm attracted to colour and bird personalities. They're cheeky, they're funny, they're wild. Like I love, I love observing them. They're just great. Um, but my, like how it all started, like I've um, grew up, always wanted to be an artist and, you know, education told me that you'll be poor. So don't be an artist but do something else. So. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, always wanted to be in the creative area, so I studied graphic design, played in the graphic design field for about 10 years and worked my way up to management director level, which was great, but I was manager director. I wasn't being creative. I was telling people yeah. Yeah. what to do. There's these things called KPIs, which I don't like. But <laughs> 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 I'm kind of like, look, I've done it. You know, I was like um, about to turn 30. I'm kind of like, I can't, this is not sustainable for me. I'm essentially not happy. I'm not being creative. So, um, the, you know, the dream of that work-life balance of I'll get home and paint and do things, that just basically got diminished. So I woke up one day and was like, I'm quitting and I'm going to go out on my own. I've, you know, got all this creativity, all these ideas in my head. I'm just going to pursue it and see where it takes me. If it doesn't work, I'll just get another job. But so, but I have, you know, I'm here now and this is a good decade yeah. later. So that's how it all, yeah, that's how it all kind of started. How much of a plan did you or None. didn't you have? <laughs> no plan. Cool. Um, no further questions. Have, but, but, um, like, you don't need a job in two. Where do you see yourself in five yeah. years? Like, I, I kind of go, well, I don't, I don't know. Like no one knows. Like there's no, yeah. part of the experience is letting things happen organically mm. and, I did, like I've now in a position where I've got staff and and I never imagined that I never planned for that. Part of me is kind of second guessing why I've done it, but it's just, <laughs> it adds that extra layer of difficulty from a business point of view. But it's that I had no plan. I've just like mm-hmm. let things go, 
like grow naturally, organically and enjoyed the process of it. I've learned along the way rather than doing a course of, you know, how to get to, yeah, I, I, I just find this way more exciting than a plan. Did you have a sense of your work at that stage? So you're like 30 years old, you're going to leave the kind of corporate creative mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, stream. Did you know, like say your first day in the studio, like did you know what your work looked like? Like, did you have a sense of your style? Or, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've always had my style. Um, and that's like when I worked at other places, like I would like pitch ideas with my style okay. and they'd be like, ooh, no. <laughs> but it's not commercial, it's not trendy, it's not anything. So it would just be, be bin. So I learned like kind of early on into my career that, you know, keep that to yourself. Like keep it for myself and, you know, answer the brief as per the client. Like that's yeah. the way to, you know, and just keep your stuff to yourself. And that's what I did. So it's like it's been kind of but I let it tr- like let left it trapped in my head for years. And when you leave things trapped in your head for years, it kind of starts haunting you. And this is where I started to get that conflict of I've got all these things that I need to get out, but I'm in this career position. So I just made the choice to act on, yeah, yeah. all the all the creativeness yeah. in my head. So yeah, that style was always there. It's just I yeah, I didn't unlock it for years. Is there um, a bit of sort of quiet satisfaction that's there been for people who might have thought that style wasn't like commercially viable? You're like, ha-ha, suck it. <laughs> 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 Look at me now, motherfuckers. It's funny because some of them are like, okay, hey, let's like, you know, let's collab. Um, <laughs> it's like we're now. Um, I, look, I don't know. Like it depends, like, because when you like, you know, when you're working, you know, when you've got clients and things, it's that um, you know. You know, a lot of people work off trends or, you know. Yeah, yeah it's not actually personal sp- in, that, in that way. Yeah, they yes. play in the safe space. Mm. So, like, yeah. you know, if, if you're putting things on product, people need, you know, they, they're going to make more educated guesses that, you know, the market's going to be happy with this and we're going to make money mm. from it. So a, a new design that no one's seen before, they're going to go, that's a risk. So, yeah. no. But now, obviously, you know, I've gone out, done my own thing, built my name, built my style, it's proven itself. Like, so now then it's kind of like then they kind of kind of come back and they're like, you know, you're popular, so let's um let's talk. So look, it's an educated guess, I suppose. So yeah, but it's got for me it's being true to yourself. I love the idea when you were speaking earlier of an idea that's in your head, if you don't release it, it, it kind of is like bouncing off the walls mm-hmm. and they're getting stronger and, and needing some kind of outlet. And given I've got in my mind like the the beautiful, very coloured birds that you create and I'm just imagining this flock of rainbow birds inside your skull, just like, <laughs> like a tornado of budgies just in there just screaming to be let out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is the thing, like, like, like my early days were the birds and now I'm kind of moving into other things but, like, they do, they hit, they strike and they just rattle around and I can write it on a piece of paper but... Writing it on a piece of paper is only kind of one step. Like I've got to fulfil it um, and kind of like, you know, bring it to reality. Um, one problem with it all though is um, I kind of call myself Mr 80%. I get 80% through something and then I get another idea. So I get the, like, this crossroads of I want to start something new because that's exciting but I have to finish something off which... Is boring. I find this incredibly <laughs> relatable, yes. Pete. Yeah. You're, you're talking to the right gal. Yeah. We're, we're both like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. so what's yeah. the solution? Yeah. Yeah. I'm aware of it. Is there a, can I fix it? I don't know. Maybe that's the way I'm wired. Maybe that's mm. how some people are wired, where we like to 
we're more we'd like to start things and we're not so inspired by the the end we're more inspired by the start so yeah and is that something since your your business has scaled are you kind of able to outsource that last 20 percent so you can yeah. keep doing the nice fun sparkly things absolutely. the dream living yeah, the dream absolutely and it was uh, it took years to kind of recognize and also um from a creative point of view I'm a control freak so I'm you know I wear that badge and I'm sure a lot of other creative people go oh, I'm a control freak too but and so it was just like that letting go it's for me that learning of you know to let go and trust others to be able to you know help and support you mm-hmm. so that t- that took a bit like um to get used to, but I'm getting there or got there. Have there been any resources that you've used, kind of this this self-awareness that's been part of your creative and professional journey? Like have, is this, have there been resources that you can recommend or, th- or, I don't know, books or places you've learned this or has it literally just been paying your own school fees, mm. kind of f- f- fucking up and learning from your fuck-ups uh, or...? Yeah, the, the, um, I'm a big, big fan of the fuck up, of fact, like doing something, get an idea, explore. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but you've learned and kind of, and then you kind of reevaluate and kind of go, well, you know, do I do I try again or do I park it? Like, and I've, I've got so many failed experiments and some of them, I've got some resin budgies and I was just like, you know, with resin, don't um, put like kind of like water-based acrylics like mixed with resin because it kind of explodes. So... <laughs> But I'm going to try anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just like now I've ruined my moulds and everything and I've got to start from scratch again. So I'm a big fan of experimenting because I, I, I love it and I love um, surprise outcomes. Sometimes they're amazing but most times they're disappointing. Um, so it's that it's, it's self-taught. Um, and I get an idea and it's like, oh, how do I do it? Let's go to YouTube. Let's Google it. Let's go on forums. Let's ask people. Let's like there's so much information out there. Like you can not only just research it but ask people in the industries and things like that and vice versa, people can come to me and ask me about, you know, I'm thinking about doing this, how did you go with it? And I'll be like, stay clear of it and people will tell me, stay clear, but I'm going to do it anyway because that's just me. I'll see, you know, see a fire, someone says, don't touch it, it's hot, I'm going to touch it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> he runs with scissors, motherfuckers. <laughs> He's a dangerous man. <laughs> so that, like, leaving that room for experimenting, playing, seeing what what's different, is that something that you intentionally carve out time to do in your day or it's just part of, like, it's so part of who you are that it's Look, just part yeah, of your I process? I want to say yes, but I mean that, like, because, um, like, you know, I'm a business so there's business needs so there's this I I try to I think it's like going back to the idea when it haunts me if it's got got to the point where it's not going away it's just kind of like you know everything else can wait I need to just see this through to kind of experiment and see what happens but I can't yeah I can't say that I delegate certain time for the experimenting it's kind of yeah it's kind of goes back to the organic nature of how I work as well but um yeah it's yeah, sometimes, or if you know, I'm stressed, or I've got too. If I've got too much on, I I shut down. I don't. Mm. So it's just like I'm overwhelmed. I shut down, and then because I'm shut down, I'm like I'm useless to do everything, like all the things I need to do today. So maybe I'll go and experiment because I don't need to do it, but I know I'm not going to be productive in any other area. So yeah. at least I can enjoy and yeah, go on from there. And and building 
building from that, this idea, because you work across mediums, you've got the collages, you've got the actual sort of print designs that you're making, yeah. and then you've got the resin sculptures. How do those relate to each other and how does how do they start is there is there one sketchbook where you're keeping those ideas is there like a no. is there a million does it look like a beautiful <laughs> it's, it's a paper it's paper i find i got an idea i need to just sketch and i'll put it on something so there's no book i made it like it would be great if i had a book but no um i think i've got books and they might have two pages oh it's got. like that classic like buy a beautiful moleskin yeah. and then never Pretty, write anything yeah. <laughs> good intentions yeah, yeah. I, was, I was one of those students start the school totally. year perfect handwriting <laughs> within two days everything just went to shit it was like my books were just just like ugh. Um, and I think that's the thing. I've got these journals and they're two pages that have, you know, sketches and intentions. But it's just like when I go on holidays, I'm, you know, I want to go take my sketchbook and I'm going to do things and I get back and it's still in the suitcase because I haven't yeah. Yeah. done anything with it. So, no, I've, yeah, I've just got bits of paper with ideas and sketches and it's just kind of, yeah, scribble, it's more scribble jotty mm. I think is probably the best way. Like, you know, the, the, you know when you used to... Um, have phone calls and that actual the phone was actually connected to the wall and you'd have the drop pad and you'd kind of just yes. doodle and scribble. That's kind of my angle to go about it, yeah. I find this very validating, Pete, because <laughs> <laughs> I have in mind, like, you know, at school we had to have like the like the visual journals yeah. or whatever you call them. Like I assumed that everyone like me didn't do that and like at that just like scribbled on bits and then submitted it like just did it to submit it after the fact and be like, oh, I guess like this is what I mm -hmm. would have written if yeah. I was making up a thing. But I'm much more haphazard with yeah. how I collect my <laughs> ideas but always feeling like I'm doing it yep. wrong. Yeah. Do you know what? I, it, it, like for me it's very similar to my taxes. Like when I go to the account with the receipts, it's just a whole bunch of receipts. Like that's kind of, you know, <laughs> there it is. Not organised. <laughs> there it is. Like my, my It's there. Yeah. yeah, the content is there. We've got yeah. enough. Yeah. We've got what we need. Yeah. But it's not structured but that but but it's there but it's yeah. there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's not structured but it works yeah, I, I yeah. like it um so i'm i'm i'd like to think i'm organized chaos mm. i know where everything is i know how it works i'm comfortable with that whereas um my partner who um works um with me he's ex-chef he's um ex-warehouse manager he's organized everything mm. in its right spot so from a working relationship but we're very well balanced i suppose in mm. that in that way he knows my space mm. and not to interfere because he knows i know what's in my mess where everything else is organized mm. like all, all the things that um we dispatch like on having an online business like everything's got tubs labeled beautiful yeah i have i have deep respect for people whose brains work in that way Same. and i i have like reverence for it i think it's amazing yeah but um, I am finding it, like, Jessamy, to, to reiterate Jessamy's point, like, actually so validating to hear someone just owning their mess because I've, I feel like I've become very apologetic for it. And I do, I under, like, creativity does need structure and constraint. Like, it absolutely does. But I think I've almost, like, um, taken that, like, the flip side and, and tried to, like, micromanage and organise yeah, yeah. and control the process. And you're like, sometimes it's just a fucking mess. Yep, yep. And, but I've got the, um, like, I can be a mess in the studio, at home, there's rules. Yeah. So yeah. That's why, you know, there's that, you know, the choice to yes. go over studio, you know. Yeah. It's also a separation from work and home, like yes. work life. Like, got a house, otherwise you just switched on all the time. Have you always had that, like separating spaces from, because when your life and your business and your partner works with you, there's got to be. 
It took, um, I want to say it was probably about three, three and a half years into me starting out before I got my first little studio. Um, and that was probably when the, um, I couldn't even been longer, it was when the resin came. So it was fine with the paper and that was in a room, okay. like we'd have friends over, it would close the yeah. door. Um, but then the resin started to take up the kitchen. <laughs> and if you're going to insist on exploding resin, then... <laughs> so obviously, you know, working with resin fumes and, the, you know, back in the early days, there was no health and safety for me. It was just, yeah, let's, let's do it. And then um, yeah, my partner would, you know, come home from work and being an ex-chef, the kitchen... Oh, no. I bet he loved... <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> and then there was the words of, hey, I hear there's... Like, I lived down in, um, in Torquay at that point. There was like, hey, I hear there's, um, you know, these studios where lots of artists are going, so why don't you suss, suss it out? So, uh, yeah, I did that. So. Do you find it quite helpful sharing studio space that's close to other artists or could it is that irrelevant for you? Like could it just could it be a room anywhere or is this something about having that energy around you that you find quite helpful? Mm, I've done both. So I've been exposed to kind of started off by myself. I think the thing is um, when you do go out on your own, there's um, and you are you know working from home, there's such a sense of loneliness. Like it's like it was a shock for me going from like a corporate environment, you know, catching up with people for cups of teas and you know the morning tea break. Loved it. Um, you know, people bring biscuits. And, and then you go at home and you're by yourself and it's just... Just eating biscuits alone. Yeah, it's it's fine. really different. Where's my Arnott's cream selection? Yeah, I'll make a cup on. Like, yeah, and, and it does, you know, I'm a, I'm a social butterfly so it's kind of like it was a bit hard for me. Like I was starving myself of... Is it attention or social interaction? And, you know, yeah. my partner will get home from work and I'm like, how was your day? What was going on? <laughs> oh, like, it was terrible. I'm having wine and I'll be like, okay, but, you know, you know, tell me more. Like, you know, like a happy puppy seeing someone when they yeah. come home from work. So and I, it was ha mentally healthy for me to go to a shared uh, community to then meet others. And that, you know, also sparks, you know, those conversations of creativity and, you know, you expose the you know, to people's like successes and hardships as well. So, you, you know, I I really liked it, but um, I'm now back. Um, I've moved out of Torquay and now I live in Colac. So I've got my own studio, but now I have a team. So I still have that um, the social interaction. So I know, you know, how was your day? How was your weekend? Blah 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 blah. So I've still got that, and um, it's probably just on a different level. But I definitely recommend being around others. Is probably it's just good mentally. Yeah, yeah, it's something that it's always difficult to find the balance, isn't it, to, between like I like to work, like I couldn't work in a shared space but also I miss people terribly if I'm not around them. So it's finding the ways that work for you to be able to kind of have that. sword, isn't yeah. it? It's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of like a, a different type of collaboration, I'm quite interested to hear a bit more about the brand collaborations that you've done. Yes. Um, and I don't know, just to, I guess, I guess like how the fuck does that work? Like what happens? How does it start? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me everything. <laughs> There's so many ways collapse can happen. And yeah. like, um, cause I've, you know, I've got a few under my belt now. So it's um, so many different ways. Um, there's just, chatting to people, um, sharing common interests or mm. I, I suppose um, like one example, like um, I, I've done a, um, a range of brooches with a um, company called Oswalder and they, like I met them at a market and I was actually, you know, I'd set my stall up and I was walking around and I was like, 
wow, these are awesome. They're, everything had a little story that was really whimsical, really spoke to me. And then I started engaging um, with, you know, with the owners and going, this is, um, I think what you're doing is amazing. And then you know, the next day they came up and said, Pete, would you like to do a collaboration? We think your work's amazing as well and it will translate really well. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. I had no idea. Um, I, I wasn't familiar with the brooch industry at all um, until it launched and they crashed my website. I had like brooch industry is insane. Wow. It's amazing. They're amazing. Wow. Um, amazing followers. So it's been a really good, yeah, and that just that collaboration just started with just a simple communication of, I really like what you do. It's so cute. It's like a first date. Yeah. It's like yeah. asking someone out, like, I've noticed you're around. I think you're cute. Like, yeah. are you, what's, yeah. are you going to yeah. do this? <laughs> I like your style. Yeah. yeah. So it's like yeah. there's many, and there's another way. It's like, you know, I'll be on the computer and, you know, the nine to five hustle and then an email will drop in and I'll be kind of, you know, about doing a collab and then, you know, things can go from there. So there's many different ways, but like a lot of the ones that um, are, you know, my favourites are the ones that have just sparked just from simple conversation, meeting people. Mm, yeah. um, in, like sometimes it's been intentionally, sometimes it hasn't been. Like I've been in like, you know, in a social event and just started talking to someone and they happen to be the owner of a business and it just goes from there. So I think it's just being, um, you know, just on a day-to-day, just being pleasant and friendly and, you know, in, like interested in people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I think also like there can be... And it may be it's different depending on what kind of like level's not the right word, like what stage in your career you're at. But sometimes we can feel particularly as people in Australia, I think, like that tall poppy thing of like I don't want to talk about myself. But if you're not out there talking to people about your work and what it is you do, how are they going to know who you are and what you do? I'm the worst at talking about myself, like showing what I do. It's um, normally I like might leverage um, my partner and, and he'll go, Get out Instagram and go, this is what yeah. we do. So oh, what a dream team. I'm never, That's cute. Like, I, I, you know, I'm just when it comes to selling myself, I just kind of shrink. I'm like, uh, I just get awkward. It's just like I just like in my little happy bubble, I just like to make shit and get on with my life. So yeah. like doing that, when I'm put on the spot like that, I just kind of yeah, I hate it. Unless I'm drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I'm Pete Cromer, uh, motherfuckers. <laughs> Look at my bed. Yeah, and again, very, like, very validating to think someone who's had so much um, success and you've got such a um, uh, recognisable style and brand that that even for you it still has that, like, icky feeling of, like, oh, I don't want, it feels awkward. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, because yeah. it's just like I don't want to feel weird though. yeah like don't you know who I am like it's not like I just get on yeah like, just of course get on with things it's also such a different skill set it's like yes, the thing that is. that gets you the esteem is like your aesthetic your design your style your taste like all of these things that's a completely different skill set to the ability yeah. to communicate that to yeah. a stranger on the spur of the moment under pressure like these are just different jobs yep and some people are lucky enough to happen to have both, but it's also fucking fine to not. Yeah. Like I'm getting better at hustling in person. I'm, a, I'm better on email. I can just fire mm. them. Yeah. Like I think it's you've removed and I, th- I think people feel safer or mm. more confident throwing emails um, as when I'm doing negotiations or things. But, yeah, in real life I can kind of 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you say this, but you're going to be on stage later. So oh, yeah. <laughs> but, with, but you know, I've got safety, you know, safety numbers. So there's, you know, yeah. there's yeah. others yeah. on stage with me. It's not just me going. Like if I was just me, stun mullet, I just because uh, <laughs> there's four of us, it mm. was, you know, and we all know each other as well. So there's awesome. we've got this shared history amongst us. So it'd be all good. Oh, that's gorgeous. Well, speaking of your panel, we should probably wind up and let you go and get prepared. Thank you very much. Um, it was such an absolute yeah. delight chatting with you, Pete. Thank you so much for making the time to sit down with us and. We'll look forward to continuing to hang out. Yeah, and I'm a fan. Alice is <laughs> just, just pointing to my <laughs> that's great. Po- that's point one you know, on my notes was so I'm a fan cute. with three exclamation points. Just clip. Just clip on. Just remind yourself. <laughs> well, well, thank you for having me, and thank you for making this experience so. Um, I suppose easy and lovely. Like I was, um, this is my first podcast, so I don't know. I could have just froze, and I didn't, and uh, it was great. Thank oh, you. That's... You're you're great at talking. <laughs> and also making art. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. <laughs> cool. So next up, we're going to chat to the amazing Shuli, an artist, maker, designer working in Melbourne. Um, Shu, you work with beautiful colours and the idea of joy and happiness and play is in all of your work. And um, we're both massive fans. <laughs> so. Oh, thank you. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thanks for agreeing to come chat. And yeah, we could start in so many directions, but um, I guess like I'd love to just start with your your process, actually just start about your making and 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 why you make what you make and do you start with drawing are you someone who carries like a sketchbook around with you or where are you, where do your ideas come from um everywhere actually like you know i love observing so you know even this morning coming to the city on the train i just have to stop looking at my phone and i love i just want to look at every single detail what everyone's doing what's up what everyone's wearing and yes i think for me like getting ideas is like an everyday thing i Yes, I have been carrying a notebook because I realized like um, I have to just jot it down because as I grow older, I keep forgetting things. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, I, and I'll be so sad if I actually miss out on like an idea, even if it seems silly. So nowadays I do keep a, a habit of, you know, carrying a notebook and just draw and sketch or write or even on my phone, like just put on some small notes just to remind myself um, because, you know, it's a busy life these days. Yeah. Um, we work and, you know, have things and chores to do. So, you know, we do forget. So I think, yeah, um, this is how I kind of start, like, you know, getting ideas and talk to friends, um, getting, you know, just talking through the idea with them. Do you think this is nice, silly kind of thing? But then after that, I'll, you know, work, um, I'll go back to my studio. I have my little bubble and that's usually at night when it's quiet. And then I'll start, you know, playing and that's how I get, you know, ideas and flowing. Yeah. Mm. I'm fascinated by how for different people you have your different like magic time. Mm. So for me it's really early in the morning. For ah. my husband it's late at night. Just that, yeah, when you can get in, yeah, your own little bubble and your yes. little flow yes. where it's like this is my secret time. Yeah, yeah. it's really important. Uh, I don't know, I tried, you know, waking up early in the morning and trying to work and, I can't. I just get distracted with so many things, the noise outside, mowing, and I just can't. And then, but yeah, the moment I'm at night, I just work better. So I figure out, okay, this is how I work best. How many hours 
do you have in you? Like in one evening, mm. because I find for me, I can like push through to maybe two and a half hours, maybe three on a good day. If I keep working past a certain point, I just completely like mess up everything that everything good that happened before mm. that. Do you have like a set time mm. that you like to work and, and kind of like what is your kind of creative bubble look like? Do you have any rituals? Uh, oh, I love rituals. Okay. Um, but not really rituals, just like something that makes me comfortable in my own space. So it's always after dinner, you know, finish, you know, I I like to work, uh, get ideas and kind of work on prints usually at night at home. Um, and, you know, it's like after dinner, shower, everything's done. I don't have anything to do, but in my comfy clothes and then that's it. And music um, or sometimes a really good food cooking show playing in the background and warm water a cup of warm water oh, yeah. <laughs> and then um yeah then it starts but it's usually like quite late at night when about maybe 10 p.m onwards and then i don't have a time frame i tell myself just to be healthier don't go over a certain time but yes i just let myself play it until i'm a, i'm get tired and then i stop yeah, yeah. And so this is in your home? Studio, yeah, my home studio. Home? I yeah, do yeah. have two studios. One is like to do messier things on where I put all my products and and then home it's where it's just um, more digital work or painting, something. So I just it's good to separate because I used to have a space and it was really hard to have a work-life balance, as yeah. you all know. Like, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's so interesting you say work-life balance. I think mm. every creative that yeah. we've interviewed, that phrase is is no, such a central, it's like an ongoing thing. It's never resolved. No, like, work no, is life for me. Yeah. Um, but it helps to not have the things readily for you at home because I'm going to reach out and pack an order at 12 <laughs> midnight. <laughs> so I find that really helpful now. Like I move the things I can't do it. So that means I have to do something else which doesn't involve, you know, a working till so late. Like, you know, at least I'm actually, yeah, it's good that I've just moved all the manual admin work out of the way. And what I can do from home now is design, which I love. I love designing mm. from home. <laughs> so my comfort in my, in my space. Yeah. Hmm. I um, Something that really struck me looking at your website preparing mm. for today mm. um, was it you said that your work is all about making people happy mm. and that all of your work is happily made with time, care and love, oh. which I thought, and, you know, you can see the joy in everything that you do. But I imagine that, like, element of, you know, if you want to call it self-care or self-management or whatever, being in the space that you love where you feel most comfortable mm. would be really important when you are creating stuff. Yes, that needs that is being made with love, right? Because yeah. you can feel the difference. It's like when someone cooks you dinner, like mm. your grandma cooking you dinner as opposed to getting Maccas, you know, like yeah. you can taste the difference and you can feel the difference in the artwork, I think, too. So I imagine, yeah, like having, looking after yourself so you can set yourself up to be able to yes. make it with love must yeah, be very giving important. giving yourself time. Um, I, I think if I don't do it, I will... I'll be another person, you know. Like yeah. this is the best version of me when I am just in my zone and enjoying and loving what I do. It's like this is what I'm meant to do. So I just think like, yeah, it's really good for me to keep practicing. Yeah. Have you always had such a clear sense of that? 
Like, like, did you, <laughs> did you know from when you were like a kid that, that, that this would be what your life looked like? Um, no, but of course, no, I've never, you know, imagined, I, you know, growing up, no one told you like, hey, you could be an independent small business owner. This <laughs> occupation never existed in our list of occupation that you could choose. You know, I probably written yeah. something like lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> because oh. I wanted to fit, you know. But, yeah. um, but what I, what I know is I love art when I was young. I love playing and um, like I love art classes. Ever since I was young, I just love like art projects given by school. I would take home, I would spend time. And I just remember, you know, taking my time doing all these things, but I really enjoy it. And I guess that's that's like something I remember. And um, and then just throughout like, you know, high school, I, I just love the art subject. Um, and it's something I take seriously. I know other people like, you know, no, they focus on maths and science. But for me, it's like art was a very serious subject. Like I mm. must do well, that kind of thing. So I think from then, I, I realized that actually I have to do something creative in my life. Because, yeah, it's something that I love. And I guess I'm very grateful to be where I am. Because um, I'm so glad I... I found a space and what I'm meant to do after, you know, trying. Yeah. Uh, I mean, after uni, after studies, I try to get jobs and, you know, do what other people do. And then, you know, I just realized that this is not for you, this is not for you. But I keep trying and trying and I am so glad to be on the road I am now. This is something, because I don't keep searching, I just concentrate and do what I do. So I guess it's a... It's a good feeling. It's a right yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people are searching for that feeling, mm. that sense, that quiet sense of knowing that you're doing what you're, what you're here yeah, to do. Yeah, what, what feels right to me. Mm. I think, uh, yeah, I tried like many jobs here and there and it, was just, it just didn't feel right. Mm. So, so I thought, you know what, I think I read a quote somewhere. It's like, uh, your perfect job is somewhere, something you build yourself or you or you give it to yourself or something like the ideal job will never exist but you just got to make it happen mm. or something like that. I remember it was a vague book and I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. I need to create this role for myself. <laughs> so so on that, on that point, you know how to make art. It's something that's always been important to you and then mm. you have this realisation that like you are going to make this job. Like it doesn't exist mm. but you're going to make this job and mm. with that comes all of the the other labor around like being a business owner, all of the logistics, all of the admin, like how did you find that? How did you learn that? Was that something that you found to be, did it come quite naturally to you or has it been? No. <laughs> I, I just shake my head like big, big yeah. shake. The look on your face, you're like, hell no. No, um, no I think you just learn as you go. Like everything um, there's no like guidebook like, oh yeah, you need to learn how to reply to emails. You need how to do your accounts or things like that. It, you just learn as you go, ask around and things doesn't work out. You know, you ask friends for help or advice. I This is what I, this is how I think I keep growing and learning because I know for the fact that I don't know everything. Yeah. So you always search help and in, and then just to, and then, because I want to do this for a long time, so I, I try to keep learning and, you know, try to improve what I do. So, yeah, the admin side, 
it just comes naturally. And I told myself, you're just going to love it. You're going to learn how to love it. Otherwise, it'll be Good like... Reframe. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it'll be like, oh, torture. You feel like yeah. this is so torturous. Why am I putting my... But you know what? I'm, I'm trying to learn it. And I'm like, yep, this should be a, something that I would learn to enjoy. It's part of it. I've just got to accept it. Yeah. That's a great mindset to have. I'm going to keep your voice in the back of my head next to my fucking invoices. <laughs> yeah. No, you love no. this. It's oh. part of it. You love it. No. Oh, invoices, yeah. I learned to love it now, like by balancing things. And I love putting invoices now. Like, ooh, it's enjoyable to me. Like, don't know. I just, I just learned how, I just find a way to enjoy it in some ways, some funny ways. Like, you know, still, well, yeah. You're an inspiration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, as you're speaking, I'm like trying to just yeah. absorb it. It's because it's true. I think it's, I mean, I don't know. I, like, I feel like I've fought against that for so many years. And at the end of the day, if you're going to be making creative work in the world, you're going to have to know how to do that. So you can resist it and fight and try rebel and make it. You still have to do it. You still have to you do it. And you're just making it. it worse for yourself. Yes. You're the only person you're making it worse for. Yeah, exactly. That's so yeah, true. It's, very like it's an important part of business you have to yeah. do it then you gotta learn to do it and of course one day you know <laughs> one day you might have someone to help you but meanwhile you have to learn mm. and I think it's good to learn it because then you won't be like clueless when something happens yeah it's, you know if you, you have to take care of your business yeah mm. absolutely um the other thing you mentioned too was around like asking for help and mm. asking other people and it was really gorgeous when you came down into our um, podcast HQ for the day in the green room here at the edge seeing you interact with Pete Cromer who oh. we interviewed just before you and you've obviously got a lovely relationship or relationships that you formed through market stalls mm. or, or other other things mm. I'd love to hear a bit more about like that the role of community in your life and your practice and how that sort of played out for you? Oh, um, I the longer I'm doing this, the long the more important it feels yeah. because um, because it can be a very lonely thing. Like, yeah. you know, I do most of my work myself. I could just be in the studio, but actually things can be better once you have people around you, moral support, and it just gives me strength. You know, sometimes when you feel like you're in alone, you just, you know, have this problem bawling in your head. But when you talk to someone with like-minded or a maker or a studio friend, it just helps me to like, yep, okay, level things and like, oh yeah, okay, you know, like um, lighten up the weight on my shoulder. Yeah. Um, just getting help and advice, it's really helpful. So yeah, I, I think it has been a it has played a very important role in my life. Like just yeah, community, I've realized that it's so important. I, I never did. I thought, you know, when I was I didn't live close to the city back then. I was living a bit further and I was practicing mostly from home and I felt like the world was so small. But mm. when I actually move, you know, towards the inner city where I am now and I have a studio where I share with some friends. I feel like, you know, things are more possible and my world is bigger and it, it's healthier for me in the long run. Yeah. Mm. Mentally, physically, stress, everything, emotionally. You can share the load and, yeah, it, I think, yeah, things are more possible when, when you work with other people, I think. It's a big part of why we make this podcast mm. is for the same reason, for everyone who's sitting alone with an idea that they want to make a real thing in the world is like to create that kind of community of makers and, yeah. and hear that everyone's 
learning and making it up and and yeah like finding just to have a way. conversation yeah so yeah. just want a yeah. conversation yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we need people as I people just yeah. i just want to talk yeah it's and so then, important oh solution is so like yeah oh, it's only like you'd be surprised the solution is like really easy yeah but you just like boil up the problem exactly oh, it's like that thing where you say something out loud for the first time like it's been an issue that in your head mm. that feels really complex and then you say it out loud and it doesn't even need a response from someone just mm. the act of saying it you're like oh okay I just solved it yeah. <laughs> exactly the moment you just have to say it out loud or say it to someone it's yeah like, oh Apparently in the tech industry, mm. they call that rubber ducking someone <laughs> and they have like little really? rubber ducks on their desk and they, they like that's part of the idea is like you solve your own problem by explaining it to someone else. So you if you explain to the duck. Oh, okay. What, like, when, what, where does the duck come into it? Okay. <laughs> you know how wise ducks are. Yeah, so they have the little rubber duck there and, and they explain their problem to the duck and it'll help them find the solution. And it's super cute, cute. but there was a little part of me that was like, but what about people? <laughs> yeah, but the rubble up doesn't respond. Yeah. And I want response. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I get like it shows up across industry and that's a different kind of creativity, mm. right? But definitely like the importance of a sounding board and a safe yeah. space to kind of work it out outside of your brain. Mm. Like in, yeah. And where are the places that you found that community shoe? Obviously you've got fellow market stall mm. holders but do you also work in a collaborative space or networking I don't know where do you find your people um yes of course true markets is how like you find like like my friends you see each other again and again and then you end up just being friends um yeah. uh and then just keeping in touch of course like via text or anything um uh and my studio space definitely um mm. I have a few it's a um, a few makers share a space and we see them from time to time and I feel like, oh, it's like my little comfort, my home outside home, like yeah. a second family kind of thing. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. Create Like to have a creative family is... Yeah, yeah you have to yeah. have, yeah. yeah. You know, your real family and friends and then like creative family because mm. you need help from time to time and moral support and so on. So That's right. Mm. And it's a specific thing that you only share with people who've gone through something similar, right? Like, yeah, because you yeah. tell them they'll, they'll get it straight away. But if you yeah. tell, like, you know, your partner, they might not get exactly how you feel. But if you tell them, make it like, oh, yeah, say no more. You know, yeah. I understand. Do this, do that. Don't do this and something like that. Yeah, mm. exactly. It's the same as, like, you know, I've got, like, my gym friends and mm. I wouldn't go to, like, my dad and be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, so I PR'd my clean and jerk this morning. He'd be like, well, what the exactly. fuck are you talking about? And exactly. I don't care. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, speaking of community, we should probably let you get back out there and get into it, Shu, but we're very much looking forward to seeing you on the panel this afternoon. Thank you so much for making the time. Yes, You're just uh, a joy. Thank you for having thank me. You. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Shu. Welcome, Esther Sandler from Togetherness Design. Could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Um, well, I am the founder and designer at Togetherness and I'm also a textile designer. Um, I do some freelance work and other creative projects and I'm also teaching as well into textile design at RMIT University. 
Oh, wow. That's so many things. <laughs> so many things. <laughs> I'm like, are we casual about that? That's so many fucking things. <laughs> I'm really fascinated by textile design, mainly because I have no fucking idea how it works. <laughs> but just from it and it's like simplest process form, I'd love to hear a bit about your process or, you know, how it works from concept to becoming an actual thing or how you think about pattern. Yeah, yeah. I'm so passionate about textile design. I think um, originally back when I finished high school, I studied fashion and there was a slight textile element. And um, yeah, when I found, you know, that textile design component really clicked with me. And even now, like thinking back to when I was small, I would see like tiles on the floor and kind of, I don't know, I've always been attracted to patterns. So I'd like, yeah, always, always thinking about pattern um, and, yeah, really excited and passionate about it. But in terms of the process of creating textiles, it's it's a craft. I think, um, you know, um, there's a lot of programs out there that can help you whip up a design really quickly. But, um, yeah, there's a true process behind it and a real tradition behind textile design as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and with my process, I'm always trying to create work by hand, so always starting with hand-illustrated work and um, trying to impart that handmade feeling into my work, even if it's, you know, digitally touched up or digitally printed. Um, That connection with traditional textile design is really important for me. With them, so so thinking about working um, by hand on your designs and kind of uh, bringing the human back yes. into that, like human touch, is that something? Because your designs are also, you work so much with nature as well as like a recurrent theme. Like how do you, are these themes that have kind of followed you throughout your life yeah. or is this this a moment or, or how do you think about like what you draw? Yeah, definitely. I think you, um, <laughs> you, you kind of understand how I work. Um, nature is a huge kind of... Um, perennial um, theme for me, like it's always there Um, and something I, you know, in my life as well, go back to nature physically to kind of um, clear my head or kind of get back in touch with nature, get back in touch with who I am and what's important to me. Um, And, yeah, I find it also a constant inspiration, just kind of seeing how things change um, throughout the year, through the seasons, um, also seeing things worldwide, like different kind of um, botanical inspirations around the world. Um, But um, as you said about um, that kind of hand uh, imprinting the human within within work, that's definitely something I'm trying to do. I think, um, you know, digital or technology, digital printing within textile design has made it very easy to create work and to print fabric but I'm still always trying to kind of um, do a throwback to, you know, people from the past and, and the, the textile traditions, how work has always been made and show that, you know, behind the scenes there's a person making this work and not um, a machine. Yeah. It does allow for a different sort of connection to something, doesn't it, if you can feel the person behind it? Like I've noticed even with um, like illustration work that I do with typography so I've created a few fonts from my handwriting 
but the difference between me using my handwriting font and me handwriting it has a completely different feeling. Like you can't feel the human behind it anymore with the font. Yeah, I think um, th- those small imperfections, I guess, and irregularities mm. that come with handmade work um, are really important and they're, yeah. they're the little kind of um, bits of evidence, I guess, that, you know, there's a human here. Mm. Um, yeah, and I love, yeah, that idea of imperfections kind of being a marker of um, this is made by a person. Yeah. And also that idea of um, it, it ties in in such an interesting way to this idea of a pattern, which is which you were speaking about earlier, and like a pattern is repetition. Yes. But once you put the human into it, it's like repetition with difference. And our eyes, it, the repetition is what makes our eyes notice the moments that are different and that kind of those destabilizing mm what might be mistakes but actually become style. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've never thought of that before. <laughs> Me um, either. Yeah. <laughs> that happened um, in real time. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. I guess like my life is all about this idea of pattern and repetition but I'm trying to inject little, um, I don't know, moments in there or things that maybe are not quite right or kind of hold your attention a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Mm. How do you hold back? Like how do you stop yourself from overworking something or kind of fixing a thing to the point at which it stops feeling alive? Like how do you, how do you know when to walk away? Um, that's a great question. I'm not sure I even have an answer. Um, I can definitely overthink things. Like um, maybe it's just a feeling um, and having experience as well, creating um, the work that I do. Um, I can tell when I've gone too far and maybe that's the cue that I need to unwind a little bit and take a few steps back to maybe a a place that I was originally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I struggle with that. Yeah. Well, I think many, many, many (laughs) creatives struggle with that, right? uh... Particularly when there's other work out there that you're kind of, um, you can't help but be influenced by what's going on around you. And, you know, there's the people that are very... Um, precise and um, yeah can do amazing for me it's like amazing botanical illustrations and um, I know I can't do that I don't know but I still can't help but maybe yeah think about other Mm. people's work as I'm working and yeah Yeah. question myself a lot. (laughs) Yeah well you're on the right podcast for that. (laughs) I definitely resonate with the name of the podcast. I'm like that's me. (laughs) Unfortunately it's a very large club. (laughs) But something that um that I thought was interesting from from reading through your website a little bit was um, two things that seem kind of related and one's like taking around taking inspiration from the small things Mm -hmm. and the other is creating products for every day and those things seem to be kind of intertwined for me that it's both the inspiration and the output are sort of the these kind of small like minutiae of every day but actually like the beauty both the beauty that's within that within Mm. you know flowers bugs whatever you're seeing in your day-to-day but also the beauty that can be brought to simple objects and and fabrics that they seem to sort of play off each other a little bit. Do you think that's Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really, um, yeah, nice connection. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, I guess I'm very, 
um, drawn to kind of what's happening around me in my daily life and um, I'm a passionate gardener as well so I think that's kind of where that botanical influence kind of comes through as well. Like I see things changing throughout the seasons and, um, yeah, I'm a homebody as well. You know, I, I um, yeah, love, love kind of um, hunkering down at home like um, in winter when it's raining kind of cuddling up on the couch and having a cup of tea and all that sort of stuff. Um, so that's kind of where my where I'm drawn to, I guess, and, um, yeah, I guess subconsciously I just tend to focus on that sort of thing. And I think, yeah, celebrating and kind of bringing to life these smaller um, elements throughout the day or smaller rituals I think is um, it just makes those times um, more exciting or mm. a more special kind of occasion, mm. yeah. How, how do you think about the fact that you have so many facets to your creative practice like is that something that you've actively created and that feeds you or is it like a, a bit of a necessary evil or is it both of those things yeah I think um it's kind of both of those things like um the downside is that it can be quite hard to manage um all the different elements going on at once but I do know like if I stop and think about it I know that I'm the reason why I kind of have different facets of my career, I guess, is because, um, yeah, it's really important to me. I think if I spent my my um, entire career just focusing on creating product, for example, for togetherness, um, there would be something missing there. Um, whereas being able to kind of be involved in exhibitions and creating work more for myself, there's a really important element there that kind of fulfills me in a way that creating product for togetherness doesn't. And then um, teaching as well, it's a, a totally different way for me to um, apply my creative skills. Um, and, yeah, I find I get a lot of, um, there's a lot of positives that I get out of that um, not kind of using my creative brain in the, in the same way but still being yeah. able to, you know, meet the next generation of designers potentially um, and kind of uh, pass along my skills. Yeah. How long have you been teaching for? Um, so I, I just teach casually but I, yeah. I have been teaching for um, seven years now I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's a long time. So just back into it's the course that I studied originally, textile design at RMIT and, yeah, back into that course. What was that like when you first, like your first day of teaching the course that you studied? Yeah. How did that feel? Yeah. Um, like imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I mean, I still, I feel like I'm, maybe I'm getting better at it. I still kind of feel like that today. I think, you know, I'll always feel like that. That's just a part of my personality, um, the uncertainty. But um, yeah, definitely I, I felt like it was written all over my face that people could see, um, you know, I'm, I don't have experience. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. But I have actually spoken to, um, you know, I still I still see students around that I taught and one student did tell me um, I taught her in that first year and she said she didn't realise it was like my first class, my first time teaching. Yeah. So I was like, hmm, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I guess that's the thing as well is like you're in a class with a group of people that are, everyone's in their bubble of yeah. feeling like True. the spotlight is on them and like for those students they were sitting there going like, oh, my God, do I look cool? Do I look cool enough to be here? <laughs> yeah. Is that person looking at me? Like they're not even questioning you no. or your place there. 
But I mean, yeah, it's the most relatable feeling. Yeah, totally. I guess that's a really relatable feeling just in general working in the creative industries, like when there's self-doubt, which comes in all the time, um, and you're comparing yourself to other people. Yeah, sometimes I sit back and think like, you know, everyone's feeling the same things. We're all like as we have imposter syndrome. We're all like insecure about what we're doing at times, questioning what we're doing. And as dark as it sounds, it brings a brings comfort to to know like everyone's in the same boat. Yeah. Mm. yeah. We're all just trying to figure out yeah. you know, how to live, how to work. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and the, the more we share, the less alone we feel yeah. in that, you know, even though your struggles will look different from mine, will look different from Alice's, just knowing that we'd like no one has solved anything. <laughs> and wait, what? what has solved for life or like solved for career no. as yet? That we know. But it will never be solved. Exactly. So that's like a nice yeah. comfort as well. Exactly. It There's will, no sense to me. And we'll always feel like this to some degree. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day because I was like, why... Like, why is this a podcast, not an Instagram feed or whatever? Like, and and I think the idea that I kind of came to, and I haven't said this out loud, so maybe it doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but you guys tell me what you think, is like exactly that. Like, it is such a shared feeling, but putting out a, an image of that, like putting out a photo of a design that sucks or a, a, a some kind of image of us fucking up, feels so permanent and that's like a very icky difficult thing to share and put out into the world because it feels like like evidence of a failure versus a conversation which by its nature is like a fleeting moving thing you can kind of like share more and be more vulnerable about those parts of the process you know we're recording this right <laughs> <laughs> yeah but there's just more context I don't know it feels no, like there's I, more I, movement in that in it yeah and it feels definitely more personal mm. um, yeah. and relatable um I can't imagine, you know, something like this having the same impact if it was uh, a reel on Instagram, for example. Yeah. 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 Well, I know that you've got more questions, uh, Alice, but Esther's got to get to prepare for fine. her panel. I know. <laughs> this has been the most brutal thing about today because we've met so many wonderful, creative, exciting, talented people and we have to keep our chats much shorter than usual. So, you know, maybe there'll be a Thank whole you. series of post, post-creative post mm. business summit interviews where we get to have proper yeah. full-length chats. But um, just maybe just as a way of wrapping up our chat because you were going to be on the community panel this afternoon, um, maybe if you could just give us like a 30-second, one-minute um, thing <laughs> about, about the role of community uh, in, your, in your life and work and where you sort of found your people. Yeah, um, I think that idea of community and collaborating with other creatives, it's um, definitely pushed me in directions that I um, would never have thought possible. Um, It's a really important thing to have in your creative practice, to be able to share skills with other people, to see other ways of doing things, um, to attempt projects that you could never do by yourself as well. Um, yeah, and I think if you look at the creatives around you as um, community and not as competitors, um, that's something we're talking about today, I think that's a really great mindset to kind of get into. We're all in the same boat just trying to kind of make it however we can. There's always going to be people who do similar things to you, but, um, yeah, just know, like, um, 
when we support each other, I think it creates so much more of a positive feeling. Yeah. Um, and that can be really beneficial for your personal work and also just your personal life. I've met so many great friends um, through the markets and just through collaborating as well. So it's a really great way to find your people and make friends yeah. <laughs> as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That community, not competition, is, is yeah. a really powerful idea. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Esther. We'll let you go and get ready and we look forward to hearing more from you very soon. Great. Thank you so much thank for having you. me. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Imposter Syndrome Club. Please follow us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're feeling extra kind, rates and review. Or if you got any insights or value from this, share with a friend. You can also find us on Instagram at ImpostorPod or online at ImpostorSyndromeClub.com. 